0: What's going on, everybody? Uh, Pano's here for the Puck Empire podcast. It's been a minute since we released the last one. It's been like a week and a half, I think. You guys um, can blame Joe. Yeah. hey, 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 hey.
1: hey. Exactly. Come on.
0: <laughs> we are back. Um, and uh, not a lot has happened around the league since the last episode, honestly. But there's still some stuff to talk about. So we're just going to go over some stuff and uh some predictions as well so joe what do you want to start with here
1: yeah uh we're getting closer and closer to the start of the 2022-23 nhl season uh it's gonna be a fun one hopefully (laughs) Uh, it will be a fun one but uh we're gonna give our award winner predictions uh panos already came out with an article a couple of days ago for the PuckEmpire.com. um so yeah, Panos, uh, you already have the list made, so it's easy for you. So uh, let's start off with uh, GM of the year. What do you have?
0: Yeah, so for GM of the year, I've got uh, Pierre Dorian of the Ottawa Senators. I mean, they picked up two uh, top six forwards that you don't you don't see that too often uh, from a team that didn't make the playoffs the year before that, and then they go and pick up Claude Giroux and a forty goal scorer in Alex DeBrincat. So. Um, they didn't pick up a top four right-handed defenseman, which is what like I think they needed a lot as well. But um, they have one of the best forward cores in the league now or at least the best top nine in the league, one of the best top nines in the league. Um so it, as long as they make the playoffs, I think that Dorian will get um votes for GM of the year, but they have to make the playoffs because you're not gonna get any votes for GM of the year if you don't if you don't make the playoffs.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's very reasonable. But yeah, those are some great points, obviously, with the Drew signing in definitely the alex de trade and then trading for cam talbot as well uh to fill in the role of matt murray so yeah great great prediction there uh kevin uh who's your gm of the year
2: um i kind of think gm of the year is a pretty stupid uh award (laughs) because it's just gonna go to like one of the gms that made the conference finals so um i guess this year i'll pick don waddell uh because Mm -hmm. I liked uh, him acquiring Pacioretty and Burns. Uh, I think they have a good team in Carolina. So, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> they're probably going to make the conference finals and therefore uh, he should be in a good position to win it.
1: Yeah, those those two moves have honestly been swept under the radar a bit here. Obviously, Brent Burns and then now Max Pacioretty. Uh, obviously, some people may know that he did get injured recently. I uh, will touch on that a little bit later in the podcast. So now it's time for mine. Uh, this may come off as a bit biased, but 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 I left it up to a I left it up to the wheel, the lucky wheel. I spun a wheel. I put six names on it, and uh, you, if you've listened to it, you know I'm a Flames fan. So it landed on Brad Living. Um, obviously we, t- we talked about it before the podcast, um, obviously if the flames, uh, losing guys like Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, and then obviously getting Jonathan Huberto and now Mackenzie Weegar, if they can pull together a good run and make it to the playoffs, I think he will be a pretty good name on that Jim Gregory award list. So I don't think it's out of the blue, but it might come off a bit biased so my choice for the jim gregory gm of the year award is brad true living and then now on to the next award uh jack adams coach of the year uh panos who did you have
0: yeah i had jay woodcroft uh the head coach for for edmonton um i was kind of iffy on this pick i said it in the article too just because we kind of saw it with mike sullivan the last few years as well they have so much talent that some people might just like write off Jay Woodcroft because he has Connor McDavid and Leon saddle, Just like a lot of people kind of overlooked Mike Sullivan's impact because he had Crosby and Malkin. But I think the best coach this year will be Jay Woodcroft. We kind of saw it last year as well, where they were really, really underperforming. And then he came in and he just changed the whole dynamic of the team. They went on a run to the conference finals. And I'm anticipating them to be one of the best regular season teams this year as well. So Jay Woodcroft, even though he has those two superstars, I think he's going to make a big impact as coach uh, compared to what like uh, Dave Tippett did for them the last few years.
1: Yeah, the the bar's very low when Dave Tippett is the previous coach for the Oilers. Uh, Jay Woodcroft coming in, we saw what he did uh, with the limited time uh, with the Oilers, obviously taking down the Calgary Flames, and then even, e- even what they did throughout the regular season once he arrived in Edmonton. And then, yeah, that's a very, that's a very respectable choice. Uh, Kevin, who's your
2: choice for the Jack Adams? Uh, I think daryl's going back to back Uh, ah
1: good old daryl back to back huh
2: yeah definitely
1: (laughs) yeah i i wouldn't be opposed to that being a flames fan but um obviously that's a solid choice as well and then uh my choice for the jack adams is jared bednar uh it's, it's honestly surprising how he hasn't won yet uh he's been leading the avalanche to great winning seasons over the last three to four years now And it's it's about time that he wins the Jack Adams. And I think this year will be it Uh, the defending Stanley Cup champions. They're hoping to repeat yet again. So I think Jared Bednar will just keep just uh, have that torch again and run with it and win the Jack Adams. And that's the Jack Adams award. And now on to the Selkie Trophy. Uh, Panos, who do you have winning this one?
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Bergeron was the best defensive forward in the NHL again, but I just think like there's a lot of voter fatigue when it comes to people who vote for the awards. Yeah. So I had uh, Anze Kopitar winning it just because LA is getting better now. They're going to get more attention again from uh, media after kind of being in the shadows the last few years because of how like bad they were. Um, and he's a really good defensive forward, a shutdown guy, so I think he's going to kind of embrace that role more now that he's getting older and his skating isn't as good to be as dynamic offensively, so I think he's going to be like the one of the top defensive forwards this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a respectable choice. As Obviously, you cover the Kings, and then uh, you've watched tons of Anze Kopitar as well, so that's a respectable choice. Uh, he's won before, and we know he's one of the premier defensive forwards in the NHL. So, uh, Kevin, who do you have winning the Selkie? I'm
2: not saying he deserves it. I'm not saying he deserves it. <laughs> okay, but, let's hear it. Uh, I'm going with Elias Lindholm. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not saying he deserves it. I'm not saying it. I'm saying that you still have Daryl Sutter, you still have Markstrom, and you made your defense even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's like, I don't know who else to choose. I think he's a big enough name. Um, and as you said, with the voter fatigue for Bergeron, if it's not Bergeron, I think it'll be Lindholm.
0: Yeah, and if people yeah. don't know why I said, uh, come on, it's because when I used to do my weekly award power rankings every single week, my comments were absolutely spammed with <laughs> saying Elias Lindholm should be in the top three for the cell?" <laughs> I don't even think he's bad defensively, but like he had like I don't even think he was the best defensive player on that line, and it was just kind of annoying to see those comments, and it just kind of has made me disdain for any sort of Lindholm self. (laughs) So I still like him; he's really good. It's just the selkie stuff I just I hate hearing it now.
1: Yeah. I mean I mean uh, to, to to what Kevin said uh, a lot of people in the media uh, obviously the people that voted for the Selkie last year as well uh they were intrigued by Lindholm and did give him some several votes for the Selkie. So I think that that's not an off the board pick there so if people if Lindholm were to take a step defensively as like his his numbers were as Panos touched on it on that line they were above average compared to Matthew Kuchuk and Johnny Goudreau, like compare, comparing it to Matthew Kachuk, he, he had better defensive numbers than Elias Lindholm on that line. But uh, with a bigger role this year, I think I think those numbers can go up and hopefully they will. So not a not off-the-board pick, but <laughs> as uh, Pato said, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, my Selkie Trophy uh, candidate that I think he will win it is uh, Sasha Barkov, uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, he has won it before, and I think he can win it again. So, I I think he's one of the best, one of the best young uh, elite defensive forwards out there. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, I I still think he has it in him. Obviously, with that uh, uh, Florida team right now, as they lose Jonathan Huber and get Matthew Kachuk, I think he he will have that bigger role, even though Matthew Kachuk is there now. I think he will have that bigger role and I think he will come into his own defensively even though he already has so I think he wins the selkie this year. And then the one of uh, one of our favorite awards uh the Calder trophy. Uh do we really want to waste some time or just uh, say all three of us have the same player?
0: Yeah, we um, all um Aiden <laughs> McTavish, AK, me, right? The guy who I'm <laughs> saying looks exactly like me, but yeah, we all have him. Yeah, Ke- Kevin, you want to say something?
2: I just want to flex that I had him very high uh in the like in my draft rankings and it's good to see that he's proven <laughs> me right like he's probably one of my favorite players. yeah, same He got so much hate for yeah you. so I hurt. know I, really I thought yeah, I was like no, that's a great pick like
1: even like even right now the world junior championships are happening and he's absolutely tearing it like how many points did he have in that game the one game panos i think you might remember
0: he had had seven right oh my god it was seven
1: or six yeah that's that's absolutely crazy like yeah i think he tied mario lemieux's point total or something like that Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah this dude's on an absolute tear and he picked up another another point tonight uh his fifth assist of the tournament and he's only played in five games
0: you got seven goals eh?
1: yeah seven goals and five <laughs> assists 12 points in five games that's absolutely crazy for mason mctavish and then yeah we have mason mctavish but i just want to say if uh shane wright were to play a full season in seattle i think he'd be my dark horse candidate for the calder trophy but mason mctavish it is i think he'll come into his own now with uh, Anaheim after doing what he did on the international stage both at the Olympics and at the World Junior Championships so now we're on to the Vesna trophy uh, who's your winner for this uh, Panos
0: yeah I went with uh, Igor Shishkin going back to back mm-hmm. um, yeah just yeah he, he's he had a historical season and I don't think he's gonna have anything close to what he did this year but he's still gonna be among the top of the league and I have the Rangers also being one of the best teams in the NHL this year, so I think he's going to do really good. Still probably like a 925-plus I'm going with. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Vasilevsky or UC Saros won it also. Those would probably be my two runner-ups along with Igor, but I'm going with Igor back-to-back. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid guess.
1: Uh, so, Kevin, who's your choice for the Vezna?
2: Um, well, it it continues with my theme that I'm building here. Um he's gonna be the reason why Lindholm wins the Selkie trophy. <laughs> um choosing Jacob Markstrom. <laughs> like I just I mean like Chesterkin is a safe bet, but I'm gonna be a little different here. So I'm gonna choose Markstrom.
1: Yeah. I yeah, it's a, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a respectable that's a respectable um nominee for the award. So for me, I uh, Panos already touched on it. Uh, UC Soros. I was originally weighing in uh, on Shisterkin or Soros before when we were making these predictions. So I just went with Soros. And I think especially with uh, how that decor is shaping up for the Preds right now, uh, obviously with the addition of Ryan McDonough and what they already have, I think UC Soros is primed for another very good season again. Obviously, if the Predators, uh, if Soros didn't go down with that injury uh, before the playoffs, obviously it would be a different Different feat against the Colorado Avalanche, but uh, they would—they still would have lost, uh, but just not in four, I think. So I think UC Soros uh, is my Vesna Trophy winner for next season. And now we're on to the Norris Trophy. I think this is unanimous as well. <laughs> yeah, do we all have him? Do we all have Kale? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we all have Kale. It's yeah. pretty self-explanatory why he's the best defenseman we've seen for quite a long time. And Panos, will let you touch on that. Let's see Let's see what you have to say.
0: Yeah, he's he's insane. He's literally going to go another point per game season, like 82-plus if he plays a full season. Um, yeah. I had my post earlier a couple days ago. I compared him to Eric Carlson Prime, and people were saying that he's already better than Prime Carlson. <laughs> I don't know about that, but he's still insane, and he's probably the best defenseman we've seen since then. So I, he's going to yeah. win a lot of Norris trophies over his career.
1: Yeah, he's gonna fill his trophy cabinet with uh, more Norris Trophy award- awards and hopefully more Stanley Cups down the road, as he already has uh, the Conn Smythe and the Stanley Cup from last season. So now we're on to the Ted Lindsay. Uh, Panos, who who
0: do you have for your Ted Lindsay Award? Do we all have the same Ted Lindsay wins or two? I think it's all McDavid, right? Yep. Nope. Oh Matthews. oh, Matthews. Oh, Matthews. Yeah, yeah Matthews. Yeah, Matthews. David just cuz I think he's going to drop like over mm-hmm. 120 points and I think like this year was kind of hard to pick between Matthews and McDavid and people just went with Matthews cuz he had 60 goals and it was like mm-hmm. the first time in a long time. But now that that's out of the way, I think McDavid uh, mm-hmm. is he's going to have a 120 points plus and yeah, people, that's, that's that's insane, right? So I think he's mm-hmm. winning it. Easy. yeah that's respectable
1: I I, I still think Matthew's is gonna get 60 plus goals again I I think he's I think well I, I this is gonna be kind of a hot take don't quote me on it but um as Alex Ovechkin is getting older I think right now currently this is a no debate uh Austin Matthews has the best shot in the game currently this, yeah, is, this that... is a non-debate yeah and I I just think he's primed to I think, like, even Panos has touched on this before. I think, if anything, this is the year I think Toronto can win uh, a first, uh, win a round, finally. I think if everything goes well, goaltending and just depth scoring, like they added Cali, Yarncroke, and even other other different pieces, I think if everything goes well for that team and they get a favorable matchup in the playoffs. I think they will do some damage this year, but they're the Toronto Maple Leafs, so you can't really write them, you can't really write it in stone as they're going to win the first round or even move past that. So Rocket Richard, I think this is unanimous as well. Yeah, Austin Matthews, yeah. It's self-explanatory, like the Kale McCarr thing. And Hart Trophy, I think all of us have the same candidate as well. McDavid. David Connor McDavid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you touched on it. So those are our award winners for the 2022-23 NHL season. Uh, we're getting closer and closer. It's going to be a fun one. Obviously, multiple multiple different names are still out there yet to be signed, and we'll see those names coming off the board just a couple of weeks from now. So now... uh. We, if you've heard the last few episodes, you know Kevin Caselli, one of our hosts here. Uh, he has a certain love for goalies, right? Kevin, you do, right?
2: Yeah, love them. <laughs> My favorite position.
1: <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, he absolutely hates goalies. So uh, we, one of our, one of our uh, friends in a group chat we're in, uh, Mateo just uh, suggested that uh, Kevin uh, do his goalie rankings. So Kevin. You have ranked goalies 1 through 10, so let's hear it.
2: Yep, I've definitely ranked them 1 through 10. <laughs> first, first is obviously Igor. Like, not even mm. a debate. This dude just had one of the best goalie seasons of all time. Um, Second, I'm choosing Vassi. Um, mm. Obviously, he's a wall, especially in the playoffs. Third, I'm choosing Sorokin. And fourth, I'm choosing Hellebuck, who is still a solid goalie, despite his save percentage kind of dipping, but... Um he's still a very solid goalie. Um Jets defense is really bad. I think you'd obviously put up way better numbers with with a better <laughs> defensive core. Yeah. Um now this is where the rankings get fun. Um five to let's say like sixty <laughs> are are all a wash. It doesn't matter. Just choose one. Just pick one. <laughs> like it it can change in any given year. Like, it really doesn't matter. I'd, I wouldn't take any other goalie than the ones I mentioned for more than, like, 3.5 million. Damn. Damn. Potos, yeah, bottles.
1: Yeah, do you want to weigh in on that?
2: Jeez, 3.5? <laughs> I'm not spending money on goalies that aren't consistently putting up, like, great numbers. Like, I could... <laughs> Like, honestly, like, if I was an NHL team and I wanted a cheap goalie, just go trade for, like, Logan Thompson or something. You'll probably put up a 920 <laughs> with your team. <laughs> I feel like you need to have, like, if you don't have, like, an elite team
0: overall, you need a, a really good goaltender still. Because the only reason Colorado won this year with with Kemper being, like, mediocre was because they have, like, one of the best
2: assembled teams
0: we've ever seen.
2: Mm-hmm. Here's what you're missing. I would pay for an elite goalie. That's what I'm saying. Like, the last the the cup winner before was Tampa, and Vasi's on my list. He's an elite goalie, so I, I would pay an elite goalie. But if I have an elite team, I'm not spending any money on a goalie.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I, I yeah. yeah. Like so that's Colorado kind of like level, what I'm getting at here. Yeah, if you have a team like Colorado level, all you need is like an average goalie. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. So
1: yeah. So you guys are on an agreement there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go as yeah, low as that's... three
2: point
0: five, but I agree with the yeah. whole statement.
2: Basically. the idea, yeah, the yeah. general idea. Yeah, yeah,
1: I love goalies, but I think I think that's a fair statement. Apart from the three point five million, Uh I I think I think that's agreeable. Obviously, yeah, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. But yeah, that's pa- uh, Kevin's goalie rankings. We all know he loves them. So shout out to all the goalies out there. You you have impressed Kevin Caselli. So. Now we're on to our next topic. Obviously, it's been a hot topic in the last few weeks. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, their asset management. Obviously, we saw Max Pacioretty being traded. And now even, like, like, now Robin Leonard going down with an injury. He's out for the whole season. So, really, what is what, what are the Vegas Golden Knights even doing at this moment? Also, I'll let you weigh in on it. I'll give my thoughts later.
0: Yeah, so I actually, like, I got a ton of hate for having them at 10. Um, People kind of have to remember that when I started that series, it was before they traded Max Pacioretty. Yeah. And it was also before Robin Leonard went out for the entire season. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't still have them at 10, but I still do think they are a playoff team. Like, I think they're
1: they're, they're not going to
0: be that bad. Yeah, people people give them
1: way way less credit than they're they're actually still a solid damn team. Yeah, and
0: I get why people hate them. Like I hate them too. I I mean, I'm supposed to be unbiased, but like I feel like everyone has a little bit of hate for them just because like the way Mm -hmm. they handle shit. But they're still a playoff team, in my opinion. It's just uh, they have to stay healthy. Like, if they go down that road where Mark Stone's getting hurt for half the season again, or if Jack Eichel's, like, neck issues, like, flare up, like, they're done. They're done. So they have to stay healthy from Mm -hmm. here on out with their
2: star guys, at least. But I I don't think they're in
0: trouble yet. Oh, objection?
2: Logan Thompson (laughs) is winning the Vesna. I hate
0: to worry about him. That was (laughs) random. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a moment. Like, uh, if if you haven't listened to First Take, it's like the laser beam pointed on Earth. I want Andre Iguodala. That's Kevin Logan Thompson.
0: <laughs> he actually is good. It's just like yeah, I don't know, for starter yet with uh, Vegas mm-hmm. to be like, a
1: starter. Like even like you touched on it like uh, during that post. Do uh, you still think a tandem of Bressois and him is going to be good? Like uh, let let's hear your thoughts. Me? Yeah.
0: Yeah, like you yeah, touched on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a tandem that's good enough to at least keep them afloat as a playoff team. I don't think it's a tandem that's gonna bring them back to the top of the league like they used to be. But I think like if they're both healthy, they play like thirty-five games each, and then some like third-stringer plays a couple of games. Like I think that's gonna be able to keep them afloat until the playoffs. But I don't think Vegas is gonna do anything in the playoffs just because I don't really think their team is built for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that's that's respectable. Uh, Kevin, do you have anything to say about uh, Vegas's
2: asset management so far? I think it's funny. <laughs> I am obviously on the bandwagon. Uh, I guess preying on their downfall. Oh yeah, so I, like,
1: I I think everyone is deep so uh, like, deep
2: seeing, down. Their team unravel is kind of funny. I think I don't know like I don't know what it is. I feel like they're just. They're just—they're not really building any chemistry. Like I know it's kind of like obviously you want to acquire star players, but it's Mm. just like there's no chemistry on that team. Yeah, because it doesn't match.
0: Star guys for legitimately nothing. Like they traded away Max Pacioretty for (laughs) literally nothing. Yeah, like years ago they traded away marc Andre Fleury for an AHLer, and they didn't (laughs) AHLer. They let him walk. So again, for nothing. Like,
1: like it, like. I don't know that team. Like as soon as they start doing something good or something productive, they just end up doing some shitty move to just take all take take away from all that success that they've had. They make stupid trades. Like obviously, uh, Panos made a post. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have nothing remaining from the trades involving Max Pacioretty, Mark Andre Fleury, Nick Suzuki. Evgeny, Evgeny Dadunov, uh Paul Stastny, and even Thomas Tatar. Obviously, Thomas Tatar and Nick Suzuki were a part of the trade that uh, got the Golden Knights' Max Pacioretty, but now Max Pacioretty is a part of the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's a sticky situation. Uh, obviously, e- even uh, that quote that Pacioretty had, he's like, uh, I'm probably going to read it wrong, but he's like, if, if you did something like that, like if you didn't play good at all in Montreal, you'd... They'd be burning jerseys or something like that. And and then he went on to say, like, you're, they're just golfing out in Vegas. There's no accountability at all. Like, wh- what do you have to say on that, uh, Panos, or Kevin? Any of and you guys can weigh in.
0: Yeah, uh, it's because their team has, like, no history. So, like, no one really... Mm gives a shit if they if they suck right now I mean yeah. in 20 years from now the story could change if mm-hmm. they're if they haven't won a cup yet and they're having underperforming seasons but right now Vegas is still a new team so no one really cares and like the ownership they even said um like I think did Patrick say like there was no pressure from the ownership even he said yeah. it's the on the players in the locker room to to do it so I mean I, I I'm not surprised by that statement at all I mean it's Vegas it's fucking Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Literally.
1: Like especially with the All-Star game being there last uh in in January you saw some of the players when they came into their games half of the
0: looked hammered still yeah i'm over even <laughs> yeah like vegas i mean it's yeah. just it's just for entertainment there it's like mm-hmm. they're not really a, a passionate fan base yet because they all just like vegas just got all of these new teams now Like they just got the raiders and the golden knights mm-hmm. now they might get an nba team so they haven't really developed like a connection yet it's just there for entertainment at the moment which is why no one's being held accountable and also just because of where it's located also like it's kind of the same situation as arizona or like anaheim and stuff like that like do people really care about hockey they're not the majority mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's,
1: I, it's yeah. Okay, Kevin, you can uh, dive in.
2: Yeah, um, I think that Vegas right now is kind of in a similar, not exactly, but in a pretty similar spot to like where the Flyers were, and I think there there's like some parallels there where um they're going to be a playoff team, but <laughs> their direction right now is kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like, even
1: like Panos touched on the Raiders thing, like, half of the people that are even at these games, like, sure, there are those passionate fans, I'm not saying the entire fan base is full of these guys, or these people, sorry, but it's just, it's just like they're there for the party aspect, and like, just a pastime for them, like, it's something cool, like even UFC fights in Vegas, something cool people like it and they'll go to it just to show their friends that they went to a golden Knights game. And then they'll be like, yeah, uh, it's just like down the road, obviously things will change, but uh, currently there's absolutely no current direction. This team is even going in like, I don't know. It's kind of a sticky situation, but they won't use, they won't be as bad as people make them out to be. So yeah, those are the Vegas golden Knights and their asset management. Uh, and now uh, we're on to a very hot topic. It, I, I still think it's a hot topic. And uh, if the boomer, if there are some boomers uh, listening to this, the, I think you guys are going to think you guys need to mute this part or just stop listening. Uh, so would Wayne Gretzky be the same in today's era of hockey? Panos, I'll let you weigh in on
0: that. Well, no, but he would also have like different training and shit too, right? He would be mm. training differently, like how players are training now. But if he had his same exact play style, like if Gretzky was playing how he was playing back in the eighties and nineties, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be like a top five or top ten player in in the league. But he if with if he trained and he was had modern day equipment and all this stuff, like he would still be the best player in the game. You have to like compare to the relative of the era that players were in.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Kevin, uh, you have you have anything to say? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't like I just I don't think there's any (laughs) like valid arguments on either side. It's just like Mm. you can't really compare them, in my opinion. There's so many factors. It just invalidates everything. I don't know. I
0: it's like I really
2: don't have an opinion.
0: (laughs) You dropped, like, Gordie Howe from 1960, like, if this dude played. Like, if you dropped him in today's game, obviously he would be complete trash. Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly.
0: you have to to realize, in 1960, he was looking like how Connor McDavid's looking like to us now. (laughs) It's just, like, you can't really compare anything because of how the opposition was in each each era. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, but there's obviously those people that are going to be like, no, Gretzky didn't lift the puck, he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that, he's not going to be the same player. Uh, I still think both sides have do have a valid argument, but it's just like sometimes it's go. Sometimes it goes overboard. Like, obviously, if you put if you put guys like Connor McDavid and even some of the top players in the league back then, I think obviously they. I think some of them would even do better than Gretzky.
0: Yeah, if, bro. if you put, if you put, them, put modern yeah. McDavid in like nineteen seventy, they would literally hang him for witchcraft. Like, it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: he'd, he 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 put up like two hundred points, man. Like in those <laughs> in that era, he put
0: two hundred plus points. Only two hundred. He put up plus three plus years. plus. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm telling you, like they would literally be writing articles about how this guy's an alien. Like it's insane <laughs> in, that, in that era. Yeah, like it's uh, not even like Gretzky.
1: Like people like Eric Lindros. I think he'd be a perfect player for today's day and age. Obviously, all the injury troubles uh, he had. Like he's the perfect player for today's day and age even a guy like paul korea like if those guys didn't get injured in the 90s uh early 2000s their careers would have been completely different but with everything and how like all the, most of the enforce um, enforcing era of hockey is out of this game currently i think lindros and korea uh korea would absolutely flourish during this era of hockey yeah like, Eric Lindros, obviously, he's a power forward. He, he'd be like a Tom Wilson, but on crack. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I still think Gretzky, in my opinion, I think Gretzky would, wouldn't would be as good as he was in his own respective era, in today's era. Obviously, as Panos weighed in on, like, the modern modern technology and if he the trained like some of these guys do, uh, obviously, it'd be a different case, but... I still think I don't think he'd be the best player amongst these guys currently if he were to play in this era. So now we're on to another topic. Uh, Kevin has something special to say. So Kevin, I'll let you. I'll let you take this one.
2: Yeah, I've had a couple debates with people, and there's just like, I guess, some things that are like annoying me. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's a couple things. First is the people that complain about star contracts getting paid for 7 or 8 years like why does it matter you're going to be out of your window by then you're going to be rebuilding it just i don't see why it matters if you're overpaying a guy in the future after your window um so that's one thing that annoys me the other thing is that i think that first round picks are the most overvalued asset in all of sports um like i'm i'm seeing people say that Calgary should have rebuilt it instead of Acquiring Huberdor And Uyghur And I just I just think it makes No sense Like they're saying Oh they should have Gathered picks and prospects Like are you Are you that desperate For the 24th overall pick Like I think People Fans don't realize Like Well some of them realize But not everyone realizes that Um Not every first round pick Pans out mm-hmm. Seriously Like I know you can look at the first round picks now and be like, oh, like they're going to be good. They're going to be, this. going to be that. But like, that's not the case. Not every pick pans out like gathering, gathering picks and prospects does not guarantee you to be a good team in the future. Like Mm -hmm. Calgary still has a window. They still have a top three decor. They have a good goalie. They have one of the best coaches in the NHL. I don't know why you don't continue to contend instead of (laughs) getting the (laughs) 20th overall pick and, Picking some, you know, maybe not even making a good pick then. Like, it absolutely makes no sense to me. And it's also, like, just because you don't rebuild now doesn't mean you can't in the future. Like, prospects don't disappear yeah, after completely. 2027. <laughs> There's still going to be prospects. are <laughs> still going to develop. So everyone needs to pump the brakes on saying, like, Calgary should rebuild it or, like, flipped mm-hmm. Huberto for picks. Like, no, you get a star player. You have a very good defenseman. Like, keep going. Yeah, you like need, you don't need like, the 20th overall pick.
0: Like Calgary has a top coach right now, as you said, they have a top of mm. court and they have the surrounding pieces like Manja Pane, uh, Lindholm, all those guys. Look at let's look at the 2017 draft class, for example, and look at picks 20 to 31. Tell me how many franchise altering guys or even like elite players or like very good players are from 20 to 31. You got Robert Thomas, okay, he's really good. <laughs> Filipino, is he gonna franchise alter you? No, Yamamoto, no. Pierre Oliver-Joseph, no. Christian <laughs> Vecilainen, no. Ryan Folling, no. Jake Unger, okay, yep, he's good. Morgan Frost, no. Shane Bowers hasn't even played a game yet. <laughs> Henry you, who's like a bottom-pairing guy, like maybe like a fourth defenseman option. Ely uh, Tolvanen and Clem Kostin Like,
2: really yeah. Got, <sighs> like, that supports it. Like, the odds are not in your favor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, why oh, overvalue first-round picks so much? Like, unless you're getting a confirmed top 10 pick, it's so hit or miss with the first round picks. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, contending teams, like, if you're a fan of a contending team and you're scared to, be scared to trade a first, like, come on. Or, like, if you're saying a team needs to blow up and get first round picks, like, come on. Like, it doesn't really work like that. The odds aren't in your favor. Not everything pans out how it should.
0: Like, of course, there's always a risk because, like, okay, you saw David Pasternak got picked late in the first round of his draft. It's like Pittsburgh, Edmonton ended up trading a pick, and Pittsburgh ended up trading that same pick when they were trying to contend, and they lost it, and they ended up losing out on Matt Barzell, right? So you're always having a risk. But, like, the majority of the time, a guy you're going to get from, like, the contenders range of the draft is, like, a depth player, like a bottom six or a top nine guy or, like, a second pairing guy who's not going to alter your Mm -hmm. franchise. You can find those guys – like anywhere, really. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah no, that's a, a great point. Sorry, sorry, Joe, I'm interrupting yeah, yeah. you here. You can go ahead. <laughs> no, no
0: worries. It's like
1: it's it's once in a blue moon that you get a star player from 20 to 32 now. Like it's once in a blue moon. Like you even mentioned the David Pasternak thing. Like, like the if you look at the past few years, draft wise, there's only like a, like a handful of guys that you can say okay, they're good from that like those twelve picks towards the end of the first round. Like if you take a look at the NBA, like me and Panos are heavily uh like heavy NBA NBA followers. Uh like they don't value like NBA franchise don't value first round picks. Like you look at well like the Clippers, you look at the Phoenix Suns, you look at the Brooklyn Nets, you look the Lakers, at a bro. team like the Lakers, yeah.
0: Like <laughs> they just twenty twenty eight,
1: Yeah. And then It's just, like, if the NHL were to do that, I think the spectrum of this league would completely change. So, yeah, back to Kevin's point. I think so many people are just hell-bent on keeping first-round picks. Like, obviously, if you're a team in the bubble of, like, being mediocre and, like, not doing much, I think you should keep that. But if you're a team, like, like, just like the Calgary example, like, when they pulled off that Huberto trade and people were like, why are they doing that? Why don't they just rebuild? There's no point when you're getting players <laughs> like that and you have a great supporting core, there's no way you should fucking rebuild and just throw everything off the map and just acquire picks and prospects. I think it, like Kevin even said, it, I think it's one of the most overrated aspects of this sport. And I think it should change. I right think,
0: on. yeah, it's just like, it's kind of mind boggling. So and yeah. we also even saw it with Ottawa this year at the draft. Like, oh yeah, they didn't hoard the pick that they had just because oh they're not a playoff team. Yeah, like they hadn't made the playoffs mm-hmm. at that point. They traded it to get better. Who would you rather have? Like, would you rather have Kevin Korchinski or yeah or um, Alex DeBrincat? Like, yeah, know? like even even the Habs
1: did that. Like uh, they got Kirby Doc by like doing that uh, switcheroo with their picks. Uh, so yeah. I, we saw a good example of that, and I think. Teams are warming up to the aspect of not keeping first round picks when they're right there. They, they're they starting to contend once again and just they're willing to flip that first round pick in exchange for a very good player like yeah. Alex Debrinket, for example. So, yeah, that's yeah. a very great point. So, Kevin. It's, uh, yeah, it's thought? not even
2: like it's not even just like trading away picks, it's just like gathering picks, too. Mm-hmm. Like when everyone's picks. like, oh, like go rebuild, like. <laughs> trade you all know, your assets away like
0: franchise what? mode like yeah yeah
2: literally <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah some of these guys think they're playing ea
1: uh nhl on easy mode with no salary cap on <laughs> that's essentially what some of these guys are thinking of but that's a very great topic uh from kevin he came by the cell so slow uh collab for him and yeah that's episode number five of the puck empire podcast uh shorter than usual but great length Uh, i think this is a solid length that i think we wanted to keep it at 40 minutes so yeah episode five uh we're in the works of uh, possibly getting some guests here uh we're not going to say when or uh uh, when these guys are going to come on but you'll see it when you see it so panos uh any thoughts before we end it off
0: (laughs) Yeah, um it was, you know, we're going to hopefully not take this on another <laughs> one but we've all been busy and uh the yeah. off season's kind of been dead at this point so the, what, there's nothing really to talk about at this point. Um but we're definitely going to try and get um back on a consistent schedule. But yeah, it was a yeah. good episode and as you said shorter than usual
2: but lots of good topics covered. So
1: mm-hmm. uh Kevin, what about you?
2: Um I'll <laughs> hand it back to Panos to say the outro (laughs) yeah all right i see you guys in the next one boys that's it